Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 116 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we live in, and it's certainly changing a lot. Quick request, if you like our show, please subscribe to the channel you're watching it on or listening to it on, because more subscribers helps our guests get more exposure, and it also helps you get the next episode of our show. As always, we have a lineup of interesting guests, and today is no exception. Another international guest for you, but I'm not going to steal Kathleen's thunder. So first, let's welcome Kathleen down in Waterloo, my co-host. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another very special guest with us today, coming from Spain, Valencia, Spain. Wow, wish I was there. <laughs> Welcome, Johnny Ball. Johnny, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on our show today. How are you? I'm very well and very happy to be joining you. Now, you are a coach, you're a speaker, you're a mentor, you're a podcaster. Can you give our audience a little bit uh about your tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a coach and speaker for sure well not everybody who knows me knows this but uh for around 12 years i was a flight attendant with a very well-known airline and whilst i was doing that job i had a lot of fun but i knew it wasn't what i wanted to do forever and I met a lady who was a coach and she told me all about coaching and I had no idea that that could be a real job and uh, oh that's interesting I love psychology I love helping people this could be right up my street so then I started training as a coach and really got the bug for it so that would probably be almost 20 years ago and on that journey then I discovered training and speaking and got inspired by an incredible lady called uh, Dr. Joanna Martin to do public speaking and to get on stage myself as a trainer, having seen how good she was at it and still is. And that has been my journey ever since. And now I love speaking, not just speaking professionally, but teaching other people how to do that and how to improve their own personal and professional speaking. Wow. And Johnny, I know from looking at your website, you, you do your own courses, but you also do online courses on behalf of T. Harv Ecker. I, I think do. that's how you pronounce it. And, yes. and I know I followed him for a while a way back. And um, for some reason, I'm not on his mailing list anymore or whoever's doing his stuff. But so, of course, I recognize the name. He, he was a big name and, and probably still is in personal development. So tell our audience a little bit more about that connection. I first encountered Harv, I think, back in, would be around 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. where I just happened to find his book in a bookshop in Boston. And I liked the look of it. It was purely a random choice. Mm-hmm. And when I picked up the book, two tickets to one of Harv's events fell out of it. And I tried desperately for several years to get to one of his events in the US, but could never make my schedule match up. So I had to wait until he did his very first event in the UK to actually get to meet Harv and see him in action. But by that time, I knew the book really well. I'd listened to the audio book several times as well and really loved it. And when I met Harv and when I saw him at the events, I really aligned with what he was teaching and how he was teaching it and have been through many of his programs 
and really love it and have done ever since when I was invited to come and be a coach for them and uh, was sort of headhunted from another organization that I was doing coaching for then I jumped at it because I knew mm-hmm. he's a great person to work with he really walks his talk and you know there's a lot of people in personal development who talk a good talk but mm-hmm. don't walk their talk and Harv is just one of the most authentic people I've ever met He's not so active these days. He's semi-retired, but he's still doing stuff. He's always going to be busy and doing something. And the honor of working with him and the chance to teach his materials and coach people in the stuff that he teaches has been great. I've been doing that for over 10 years. Wow, very good. Interesting. Kathleen. Now, Johnny, there are a lot of people out there that have a horrible fear of public speaking. Just, just, I mean, it's paralyzing to them. The, the even the thought of getting up in front of people and speaking how do you help people overcome that fear yeah it's a, a very important one because it is listed very often as one of the top fears that people have and i think it was jerry seinfeld who said something on the lines of that uh, people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying so at a funeral people would rather be the guy in the box than the guy giving the eulogy (laughs) and and I think that's very true for a lot of people or can at least feel that way and I think I was one of them too for a while the thing that ultimately gets you past it is just doing it it. and doing it in safer environments so I have found organizations like Toastmasters International Mm -hmm. to be very very helpful in just being able to get up in front of other people and start speaking and it's okay in those environments if you are terrified if you completely freeze up if you don't always say you will get fully supported uh, all the way along and the next time will be better and that's all I can really say is like the first time probably will be bad but the next time will be better and the time after that and the time after that and it will keep getting better and better. That has been my experience and the experience of just about anybody I know who does any kind of public speaking work. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I did the same thing. I was petrified. I was a farm boy and very, very shy, petrified of opening my mouth. And then um, I, I did Toastmasters for a number of years and it helped me tremendously. And, and since then, I've spoken to large audiences. So you're right. It, it certainly helps. Uh, talking about Toastmasters, they're great on speaking competitions. And I note from your website, you've won a number of uh, big speaking contests, <laughs> right? Not just I've Toastmasters. I've won some, yes. I've won some. So uh, has that helped along the way, both for your confidence and also for mm-hmm. business? Not really. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to get the recognition in those sorts of areas. And everyone loves being appreciated and recognized. But professionally no I don't know that it really makes that much difference other than being able to say that you are a prize-winning or award-winning speaker very few people ever ask what the prizes or awards are that you've won I'm not sure they actually mean that much to people outside of those organizations but it's nice and competitive speaking it's a bit of a different ball game to professional speaking there are different elements of it and, Mm -hmm. and different reasons why people do it Yes, yes, but certainly it's. I I found and and people in our in our clubs that I was involved in found that it it did push them to another level from speaking at your club. If if you're not speaking professionally, or for your career, speaking at the club, going up to a provincial or a a national competition certainly raises you at the bar a little bit for you. Well, yeah, good one. So on your website, you mentioned the art of ethical influence in communication. Mm. Can you explain that? I can. 
I have always really cared about being authentic and ethical in the things that I do. And I know that not everybody in my industry is. And that's one of the things that is truly important to me. It matters that what we say and what we do is within an ethical framework. Mm -hmm. There are many people out there who teach the art and skill of persuasion and influence. And it's not always taught with an ethical framework. And the reason why I do that is because it's something that can be used negatively or positively. You, If you read something like Robert Cialdini's book on influence or any of the experts like Robert Greene as well, mm-hmm. and more besides, you could apply those tools for anything you want to do. The tools themselves have no morality. They have no ethical framework, only the person using them. And so I would prefer to teach and talk about those things within an ethical framework Mm -hmm. and to encourage that the people who I like to work with also want to do that. I don't want to be teaching people who are going to go out and use and abuse these tools just to get what they want. Yeah, yeah, and and unfortunately, there are quite a few of those who use those tools expertly to manipulate people. So that's Indeed. good to good to hear your your take on that one. Uh, something I wanted to ask you, and I've I've noticed, and you probably have, being the expert, that the COVID situation uh, forcing more people online has highlighted poor communication skills in a lot of managers and people who should be talking to their customers, their staff, um, people in the organization, whatever. Uh, have you seen this? And, and is there a way to improve that? Yeah, I would say I have seen that. And I would also say some of the things that have been cropping up this year have been signals that communication is becoming uh, much more of a focus for people than it has been before, even with the advent of sites like Clubhouse now, which is primarily a speaking channel for people. You can't have video, you can't really have too much direct or text interaction on there. So it really is just being able to speak. That ability to be able to communicate well is becoming more and more relevant the ability to be able to be persuasive and to sound like you at least sound like you know what you're talking about that's super important but I do think relationships have become such a huge part of how we do that as well and if you're anything like me you'll have noticed in the world of marketing that things have moved very much towards more relationship marketing as Mm -hmm. well that people want to work with and communicate with people who they like who they trust who they feel um they can have a relationship with. They don't just want this sort of slick, everything looks good and flash and all these great big promises, but not necessarily the substance that goes with them. People care more about those things now. I think things were heading in this direction. And I Mm -hmm. think quarantines and the likes have accelerated all of this and also concerns about mental health and the need to, the need, how much we need each other, as much as we might Mm -hmm. sometimes like being introverted and having time by ourselves, we still need each other. We still need to communicate. Uh, Even the most introverted people I know still need some human connection. And we've been deprived of that so much that it has probably become a bigger focus because of that. You you miss it when it's gone. Yep, very much so. And speaking about communication, is there a difference in how people communicate in person versus virtually? Is... Not always. Is the message, I guess, relayed the same way? I know you're seeing the person on the screen versus in person, but are there elements that just don't translate well virtually? 
There are some differences. I am perhaps in more of a privileged position than many people that I have been working online mostly for over 10 years already. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to make any big adjustments with all of this. My whole operation is set up for me to be able to do most of my work online. I've been doing online training, online group coaching, online one-to-one coaching for all this time. So really, other than some speaking events, some live speaking events, there hasn't been that much of a change for me. In terms of how you communicate differently, not necessarily everyone does that, but probably they should. There are differences there's a very different energy when you're in a room Mm -hmm. with somebody to what there is when you are on a virtual meeting with them. And ideally you want to compensate for that in some way, which probably means you do at least a little bit need to raise the bar on your energy when you go into these meetings. People talk about Zoom fatigue. We've heard that a lot. (laughs) And, And I don't really think it is that I've been in Zoom meetings where the time has just flown by and I could go another several hours. I was in a conference not that long ago for PodFest uh, and I could have gone on as much of that as possible. I didn't get any fatigue whatsoever because it was interesting. The speakers Mm -hmm. were interesting. They were engaging. They were entertaining. They knew what they were doing. That's very different to people who are really just going on there and talking. Some people want to hog the microphone some people aren't managing those meetings very well zoom fatigue is really more down to boring or badly managed meetings i think rather than anything else so sometimes you have to take that energy up i think that does get to a point where like not another virtual meeting but i think those are the things that really contribute to that more than anything else right right i i think perhaps what i was looking at was more people who had done very little virtual communication before. So managers in corporations who are used to having a live sales meeting every Friday, for instance, having to make that switch to Zoom or another platform. I think some of those don't make that transition very well or, or very effectively. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I don't really work in those environments, but sure. I certainly have some clients who do. And yeah, I hear all sorts of different things about those meetings. But for the most part, I see that people have been taking these in posit- positive directions. It may take them a while to get there, but often they're finding doing the virtual meetings is making people more efficient. They're yes. not really wasting so much time in the meetings, yep. getting there to actually talk about what they're doing, not having to wait for somebody to turn up and and just starting to have the meeting and they can record it if they really want to. So sure. I think there's a, a lot of big advantages to this that many people who I know are going to keep doing the virtual meetings afterwards, even when they can have them in person, because it's cutting down a lot of wasted time in their organizations. Sure, sure. And if you're talking salespeople, that's expensive time as well. Exactly. Right? And they could be out there meeting customers. And, yes. And don't have to drive back to head office every Friday or whatever. So savings as well. I know there was something else Kathleen wanted to ask you. Well, you already touched on this, Johnny, because you do most of what you do, take training, is all done online. Um, But as a speaker, has COVID affected your business in any way? A little, yes. Certainly when it first hit and everything started to shut down, some clients and some bookings went away and some of the, even some of the, stuff I don't get paid for that I just couldn't do. So yeah, it affected how I could do things, but some of it was positive as well because I really 
threw myself into content creation at that time to keep myself busy and take my mind off it. I didn't want to um, waste my weeks away on Netflix and see how much of that I could get through. I really decided that I could make this an opportunity for me to get more creative and start putting out more online content and you know, working on online courses and programs and even some more speeches for the future. I got to work on a big keynote that I have and, and a number of other projects probably overcompensated a little bit sometimes, but for the most part, it's been very productive time for me. Excellent. Very good. You, you're talking about working on your courses. Uh, tell our audience what you do offer. I know, you know, what courses do you offer, Johnny? Well, at the moment, I have put together a 10-week program, which is really about virtual speaking and going online to be understanding how to have influence with online meetings and pers uh, persuasion with people as well, to be able to get up and talk about whatever product or service it is. I'm targeting that primarily towards uh, non-fiction authors at the moment, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not only beneficial to them. It's just an avatar that I decided that would be great for me to work with because it fits very well with a lot of other things that I do. But uh, these are skills and um, abilities that anybody can learn and could be useful to anyone. I think we're in an age where any position you're in that is going to stay relevant and not be taken over by AI or robots is going to require excellent communication. And the ability to educate and entertain is something that I don't think is going to go anywhere, even when virtual technology does take up to getting that level. We want the human connection. Those things are still going to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, and that's a 10 week course, is it? It's a 10 week program that will take people through a sort of modern revised version of Aristotelian rhetoric and applying that into the virtual world, as well as all the skills that I've learned and been taught by people like Harvecker over the years to being able to present online with good energy and to be able to communicate well with an online audience. Excellent, excellent. Then I, I've got a, another question while I've got you that I've got, I ask all our business people and successful people. And so in your experience, and you've obviously worked with a lot of successful people from half downwards, um, what's the single biggest characteristic that sets the successful apart from the average in your mind? Is, is there one particular thing that, that successful people do? Hmm. If there's one particular thing, I, I can't put my finger on just one thing because right. there's many, but I think one thing that stands out for me about all these people is that when they say they're going to do something, they do it, they, they follow through and they care about the people who they're serving. They see themselves as servants to others rather than that other people are there for them to pay the money is <laughs> like that's right maybe part of the cycle but ultimately it's about being of service it's about really helping people and making a difference and the people who i see doing their best work and having the most success are the people who really care mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that one empathy caring has come up several times when, when we've asked that question um, some very successful people have said that's one of the most important things that, that we found successful people have that others don't. So, yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then, uh, wow, well, Kathleen, I'm sorry, I've been monopolizing Johnny here. Let me <laughs> back, get back to you. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, Johnny, because you work with people literally from all over the world and we now have an international audience, can you tell our audience how they can get, uh, how they can contact you? Sure. 
the best way to get in contact with me is my website, which is presentinfluence.com, mm-hmm. through which you can message me or email me, john at presentinfluence.com. And I hang out on LinkedIn a lot as well. That's a very good place to find me. Okay. Yes, I think we've got you on LinkedIn. Good. We will certainly follow that up. Well, that's great. That's for our audience. And we will put that as a subtitle on the uh, video and put in the description for anyone listening on podcast. I've got, we've got a couple of minutes left. So I've got to ask you, having spent a little bit of time in Spain myself in 2019, um, why the migration to Spain? Was it climate? (laughs) You know, I mentioned about having been a flight attendant for a while. So I had a, I had a pretty full career as a flight attendant before doing all of this. And I traveled the world. So I've seen many, many countries, but I realized after that career that I had never lived in another country. I decided that I was probably going to become a bit of a digital nomad. And Spain was the first place that I was going to stay maybe for a year or so. And nearly nine years later, I'm still here. So, <laughs> so you can see how well that went, but I, but I love Spain and uh, fell, fell in love with it and been very happy here. I've got married here. You know, it's, it, my life is here. Yeah. Lovely. And climate in Valencia? It's it's a lot warmer than where we are in Canada, I'm sure. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, it hasn't been so great lately. It's been an unusually wet year so I far. Read that. Although mm-hmm. today is today is now sunny. It started off wet this morning. Now the sun is out. It's a strange April for us. We usually, this is the time of year where things are starting to get really warm, but unfortunately mm-hmm. we're still needing to have thick coats on and uh, put the heating on. So really? evenings, yeah. So we're not alone. We, we had snow a week ago. Last Wednesday yeah. we had, uh, where I am, we had three inches of snow, which was, was late for us. We rarely get it this late in April. So. I, I, we don't ever see snow here. No, 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 no. They occasionally get it right in the north of Spain, don't they, up towards the mountain of the Pyrenees? They do, that bit closer to England where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and last, well, early this winter, one, one part of Spain got uh, a lot of snow. I can't remember where it was. Was it Madrid? Somebody got snow. And uh, Oh, course, gosh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that side of the country, they had a lot of right. snow. They're having to dig people out, yes. Yeah, yeah, unusual. Anyway, uh, Johnny, that's been great. Thank you so much for um, your words of wisdom and and really enjoyable hearing your story and your advice for people. And we learn everything. We learn something every time we talk to people on our show. So we're grateful for that. Thank you. Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us today, Johnny. We really appreciate it. And thank you all so much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you. And again, we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.